Well, we are, uh, in my view, in the days just prior to Jesus' return. You excited about that? You know, you really have to mentally prepare yourself. I have uh, I've mentioned this several times. Let me say it again. You know, there's a grieving process when, when someone in your family... Uh, you know, there really is a grieving process. If, you know, you lose somebody you love, they go to heaven or whatever. And, and you, know, you're, you're, you know, it's our loss, their gain. But still, you got to go through a process of, uh, you know, uh, anger and, and then, you know, almost disbelief and then acceptance and et cetera. And, and let me just say, uh, if, if, if in, this, in this thing of the world changing, and it has changed, I'll just be real with you. I haven't liked that. How about you? Because I had things I like to do and, and et cetera, and it's crimped those things. It's hindered those things. And, uh, and I have a sense that uh, we're, the further we go, the more crazy and messed up it may become. So, so I'm not kidding. You have, you have to go like through a, a mental grief, you know what I'm saying, a grieving process emotionally, mentally. Now, I've done that, and, and I did it in uh, March, April of 2020 because I saw the writing was on the wall, and the Lord spoke to me. And uh, so it really was a, a painful thing. I, I actually wept a little bit. because. But you know what? I'm ready for heaven. I mean, Jesus, come on back and snatch us out of here. Y'all ready for that? But, and so the bottom line is God wants to uh, take us through the things that are coming. Jesus is returning, and uh, his return is a time of judgment. And that time of judgment will bring... Ah, you can use all kinds of adjectives, consternation, turmoil, challenge, uh, difficulty, just you fill in the blank, uh, it's going to be. But the good news is God has prepared us for this time. And, and as I have prayed about this over the years, um, in fact, I came to the Lord, I've mentioned in this series, I'm talking about the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, I'm in a series, this is uh, lesson number six. And, uh, and I've talked about the fact that, um, that, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to take us through this time, yes or no? And so I've been talking about that, but, uh, you know, God wants us to be ready. God wants us to be prepared, and we can be as we, as we yield to him. So John 16, let me get right on into this. John 16, 13, when the Spirit, I don't even need those glasses. Look at this. That's pretty good. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring glory to me, telling you whatever he receives from me. One thing I'm thankful about in my life is that the Holy Spirit has directed me, you know, since I was uh, almost 18 years of age. And I can tell you, he's going to direct us through this precarious, strange time. And I've heard ever since what I was about to say, I've heard ever. Thank you. Give him a hand. Thank you, guy. He's so faithful. Thank you, bro. Oh, that's so much better. Yes. You got all that film off. You know, um, but the Holy Spirit, I have heard all of my life since I came to the Lord over 45 years ago that there was going to be a tremendous move of the Spirit prior to Jesus coming. And I still believe that Joel 2, God told Joel 2,500 plus years ago, it'll come to pass that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh in the last days. And he talked about all ages receiving from the Lord. Now, you know, uh, Peter preached that Joel 2 on, in Acts chapter 2 uh, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the church. And so you could say we've been in the last days ever since Jesus was raised from the dead. But right now, we're in the last of the last days. And I just have had a sense that there's going to be a tremendous moving of the Holy Spirit and what God keeps witnessing to me in my personal prayer life and I hear others saying something similar. You know, what you receive during this time is going to be, is going to be what you're focusing on. 
If you're focusing on the gloom and the doom and what you don't have and how awful things are, well, you'll have an awful time. But if, but if instead we'll focus on people that need the Lord, people that are discouraged, people that don't know what to do, people don't, that don't know why things are happening the way that they are, we have an element of hope in us that nobody else has because we believe Jesus is coming back. And I'm going to tell you what, that stirs my pot. That gets me going. That bobs my cork. You can say whatever you want, use whatever metaphor you want to use, but I'm stirred up about it. And I want to talk to you about really, really letting the Holy Spirit work in your life. He's worked in me, not perfectly because I'm not perfect, but as much as I've let him, he has worked in me and changed who I am. So we've been in this series, we've been talking about various things. How many know the Holy Spirit will move you through deceptive times? And we're, we got a lot of deception going on today. It's uncanny and crazy to me. And the other thing that's crazier is that a lot of people can't even see it. People are deceived and don't even know it. And I think, where are you at? Where is your brain? I'm talking about born again believers, deceived, misled, deluded. And you know what that tells me? If you'll get acquainted with the word of God, the spirit of truth will wake up inside of you. But if you neglect the word by staying on YouTube and Facebook and all that mess, well, you'll stay deceived. But I'm telling you, there is a way that you can steer clear of deception. The Holy Spirit is the way. And then the Holy Spirit will help us deal with pressure. We've talked about that one week. We've talked about repentance and how the open door to a fresh move of God in your own personal life is repentance. And we talked about that in fair detail. We've talked about the Holy Spirit being a coach and a partner. And then last week, I began a subject that is uh, very dear to me because this is the thing that changed my life. I'd been in church again for almost 18 years in a Southern Baptist church. I'd never heard the term, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Didn't even know it was an experience that is post-salvation. It comes after salvation. And it's another work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Now, I was raised uh, in a church that, that said, well, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. And that's all the Holy Spirit you ever get. But then when I began to read my Bible, particularly the book of Acts, and we'll get to it today, when I began to read the book of Acts, I saw that there was another experience these believers obviously received that was separate from salvation. I mean, if you just look at it at face value... Um, uh, they're, they're talking about separate individual experiences that a person can receive. And we'll go into some metaphors about the Holy Spirit today and talk about the two works of the Holy Spirit in your life. There is the indwelling of the Spirit. Everybody say indwelling. That's at the new birth, and we'll see it in a minute. Jesus used the metaphor of a well to talk about the Holy Spirit coming in us when we're born again. And, and I don't know about you, but when the Holy Spirit comes into life, I want, you to t- I want to tell you he brings a change. He changes your, he changes you on the inside, changes motive, changes desires. How many hear me? If, if you're the same and have the same desires after you say you met Jesus that you did before you met Jesus, you hadn't met the same Jesus I've met. Because I'm telling you, he brings change. A lot of people say they are born again, but never really, really, really get born again. It's only a mental ascent of salvation and they really haven't repented. Salvation only works and the new birth only comes when you repent. Everybody say repent. Repentance is not just saying a prayer and then saying that was really good and then going off and living exactly the same way you did prior to repent. That's not repenting. Repenting is saying I'm done with life as it is. I gotta have something different. I'm done with doing what I've been doing. I'm ready to make a change. When you do that, you open a spiritual door. And when you open that spiritual door, the new birth comes in. Jesus changes you, become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit indwells you and no longer can you be satisfied doing what you did. 
1 John 3, 9. See, this is not in my notes. Here we go. 1 John 3, 9 says, He that is born of God does not commit sin or practice sin as a way of life. Because he has been born begotten of God, Amplified says, because the divine sperm, the spermazoa of God, has come and remains permanently in him, and he or she cannot sin because they've been born or begotten of God. So there's the telltale sign. What's the telltale sign that you're a believer? If you're a believer, you can't say words people are saying today a lot without something scratching you on the inside and saying, shut your mouth, potty mouth, stop. I can't say that F word, can you? If you can put that F word in a sentence on Facebook, you got problems, my friend. Huh? If you can be talking and just let F-bombs land everywhere or, or all the other words that go along with it, I'm telling you right now. Why? Because the divine sperm's in you. The nature of God is in you. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You hear me? And so again, does it mean that your flesh doesn't long for things that it did prior to salvation? No. Your flesh will still want to do and act and talk and be what it was before salvation. What's the difference? On the inside, there's something that says you don't need to be going there anymore. That happened to me. And when that happened to me, I threw my cigarettes out the window. I said, you know, I used to do that, but, you know, my body still wants them, but I, I'm not doing that anymore because that's, that, that's not something I feel like I need to be doing. And it was on the inside. How many hear me? Or if you were bound by alcohol or you're a drug addict or you're a sex addict or you're a porn addict, I'm just going to tell you God will deal with you. Or if you're an anger addict or if you're a gossip addict, whatever addict you are, whatever pushes your buttons, you come to Jesus, you can't keep going that direction. I mean, every day there's a pull, there's a thrust, there's a move. How many hear me? So when, again, uh, so when I came to the Lord, I recognized the change but then the same Sunday that I gave my life back to Jesus, September 12th, 1976, I also went a step further and received this experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I talked about that last Sunday. If you weren't here last Sunday, go listen on our website because I talked about my experience. My mother received this experience in 1975 as a Southern Baptist lady who taught a Sunday school class. And uh, then the next year I received... Uh, after I came back to the Lord, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and, and it absolutely revolutionized my life. So again, I want to go a little further and talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, give you some, just to let you see from the scripture that's a valid New Testament experience. Again, one thing I like about being raised in the Baptist church, they taught us to search the scriptures. If you can find it in the Bible, then you know it's of God. If you can't find it in the Bible, and I'm not just talking about one isolated scripture that's out of context, I'm talking about if you can find, uh, if you can find it in the Bible. In fact, Bible doctrine means, uh, in my theological education, you've got to find it at least three times in scripture. If you can't, then it's something you wish was true. But, but you can't validify it with Scripture, then, then you know, you'd have no, no, uh, no leg to stand on spiritually speaking. But the Holy Spirit, I want to show you, it's all throughout the, new, the book of Acts. And, and we can walk in the light of this experience. So there's three reasons that I want to talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit again today. If you've received this experience, number one, walk in the light of it. Now, it's a crazy thing to me that I know people that have been baptized with the Holy Spirit and aren't doing a thing with it. They're like, the, they're like the young man that Jesus uh, talked about and when he gave a parable of, of people receiving money and said one guy just, you know, dug, dug a hole and stuck it in the ground and, and did nothing with it. 
And a lot of people have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they're not, not walking in the light of it today. And there's reasons for that, but I'm going to tell you it's time to stir the gifts back up in your life. Yes or no? Secondly, if you've not received this experience, if you'll listen, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity at the end of this meeting to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you want it. God's pray, God dealt with me about it, so we'll have a certain way we do that. And then thirdly, uh, as you listen, you can learn how to minister this to others yourself. How many know God doesn't want to just use the pastor, he wants to use every person that's born again? And he wants to use you to minister life to others. And he can use you, if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, to minister to others the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Again, two major works of the Holy Spirit in life, the indwelling of the Spirit, and then the baptism with the Holy Ghost. Acts 1-4, I mentioned last Sunday, John chapter 20, at Resurrection Sunday, that evening, the, uh, Jesus appeared in, in, a, in a room that was closed. No windows or doors were open. He visibly appeared to his disciples and said some things to them. And then uh, John 20, verse 22, said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe they were born again at that time. That is, the, that is the believers came alive spiritually. And then Jesus to the same disciples just before he ascended up to heaven, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized, everybody say baptized, with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, a lot of people get hooked, all messed up with this word baptized. Everybody say baptized. That's just a word. And most people think baptism is only in water. Did you know in the New Testament, Jesus said, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with to his disciples? Did you know he was talking about a baptism of suffering? Are you willing to suffer for your relationship with Jesus? That's what he was asking his disciples. Well, that's not water baptism. That means, you know what? You're going into a time of difficulty and challenge, and it'll challenge your flesh. And that was the, what he was asking his disciples. Are you ready for that baptism? Now, what is baptism with water? You're placed in water. But when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, what are you placed in? The Holy Spirit. And, you know, it's crazy to me. I, I'm, I'm trying to overcome it, but the truth is so many people, when I talk to them about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that their mind goes automatically back to default water baptism. They still think I'm talking about water baptism. Everybody say, Pastor Mitch is not talking about water baptism when he talks about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. See, I want you to say it because I want you to get this. A lot of people still think I'm talking about water baptism. No, it's baptism with the Holy Spirit. You're immersed in him. It changes your relationship with him. How many hear me? It's incredible. And so uh, these people that were already indwelt of the Spirit, when Jesus breathed on them, the disciples, and said, receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus told them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You know, this first experience with the Holy Spirit, the indwelling, how many know it changes your character? But you see, this second experience with the Holy Spirit, 
It comes with power, and it gives you the power of God. That's what Acts 1.8 says. I mentioned it last week. You receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So let me say it this way. The baptism of the Holy Spirit's been here ever since the day of Pentecost. That's the first time that believers were given God's power the same way Jesus was given God's power. Have you all ever thought about the fact that Jesus did not walk in the power of God until he was 30 years old? Y'all ever think about that? I know there's, there are, are uh, 13, 14 books called Apocrypha. They're in the Catholic Bible. They're not in the Protestant Bible because we don't believe that they're inspired writings. They are writings, but not inspired by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit never, never contradicts himself. And anything that is actually true scripture will have references from Old Testament prophets in it. Uh, and it will never disagree with anything else written in the whole rest of the Bible. So we as Protestants, we we call the 66 books that we call the Bible, the Bible, but we don't call the Apocrypha that. In the Apocrypha, there's an instance where, you know, Jesus is walking along the the seashore and he makes uh, something out of sand and breathes on it and it comes alive. There is no scripture in the rest of the Bible says Jesus did that. In fact, the fact that contradicts exactly John chapter 2. Jesus performed his first miracle at a wedding at Cana in Galilee when he turned water into wine. Great Jews. I mean, that's pretty incredible, right? Well, he didn't know. He didn't do any miracles. He didn't perform anything in ministry until 30 years of age. And it just happened to be that when Jesus saw his first cousin, John the Baptist, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus said, baptize me like you baptize and everybody else. Why did Jesus receive baptism by John the Baptist? Because baptism is an open door. Baptism is saying the way life was will never be again. Have you ever thought about Jesus' life and ministry? He was the son of God. He wore diapers when he was a baby. His mama had to feed him. He had to grow up. He had to be educated. He had to be trained. He had to be schooled, but he did know, and he was God in the flesh. But he did no miracles until the Holy Spirit came on him age 30. Jesus himself said in Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach and to do miracles and all the things that he talked about there. How many hear me? So again, Jesus did no ministry, no, no supernatural things until the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And for him, it just happened to be when he received the, bapti- uh, the, uh, the water baptism with John the Baptist. At the same time, the Holy Spirit came on him and his whole ministry began. How many hear me? Say, why did God do it that way? Because he wanted to. And I think he wanted us to see that you don't operate outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. How many hear me? A lot of people are trying to do ministry today outside of the power of God. And you'll get into trouble when you try to do that. In fact, Paul mentioned to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. He talked about during the last days, there would be a lot of people who have a form of godliness, but deny the power of God that can change and transform life and that can catapult you into effective ministry. How many hear me? So for me, I've never, after I came to Jesus, said, if you're not after the power of God, then I'm, I'm just going to find somewhere else to go. I'm going to find some other people to, to, to be with because he said, he, said, he said, don't get around those people who want Jesus but no power. And that goes over big, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know why today? Because if you don't have the power on you today, you're going to have some challenges you can't overcome. How many hear me? 
So the baptism with the Holy Spirit, let me say this, all through the church age, and I could do a whole sermon on this, but I haven't taken time. I've got it in my notes. I did the study many years ago. But every single uh, century of the church age, if you go read church history, and there's a lot of historians that have chronicled um, uh, what God did throughout all of the centuries of the church age, beginning with the first century, all the way up to the current century. And in every century of the church age, there are those who have operated in the power of God with the baptism with the Holy Spirit and with the ensuing gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many know there are nine of them? And they operate in the lives of those baptized with the Holy Spirit. Every century of the church age, there are those that are baptized with the Holy Spirit operated in God's power. And you'd be surprised that many of the people that, that are ecclesiastical ones, those that are, are uh, real intellectual with their, with their scripture reading and teaching, and, and those that they espouse as, boy, they're just really orthodox. They're just toe the line. They're just right. Many of these people they read after were baptized with the Holy Spirit. How about... Charles Finney, baptized with the Holy, Holy Ghost. Did you know that? Did you know that? Y'all didn't know that? It's in, his, it's in his chronicles. He went into the woods, forest. He had an experience with God that overwhelmed him. He got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so there are many others, and I don't have time to get into it. Turn of the uh, 20th century, uh, you've heard about Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. There was uh, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, that uh, had been going on for a few years, fell there, and it began to span the globe. And all over the world, the baptism of the Holy Spirit began to be ex- experienced in an unprecedented way all over the world. Sam Leboingdong, he told me he's from Indonesia. And his is it your great-grandfather? Your grandfather actually received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Is this true? From a person who was associated with Azusa Street in Indonesia. That's amazing, right? So I'm just trying to say God's been stirring things up. Here's what I believe. Uh, God knew that Jesus, he knows when Jesus is coming back and he's the only one that does know. Before Jesus comes back, the nation of Israel had to be reestablished. That happened in 1948. And then the power of God had had to be reignited in the church. That happened around the turn of the 20th century in the 1900s. By 1914, the major Pentecostal denomination started we're talking about uh, Church of God, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal holiness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They got their beginnings, and you can read about that in history. And, uh, and it's just been growing ever since. It's estimated that over a billion people worldwide at this point have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's amazing, isn't it? In the late 1970s, so in, in the 50s, in the 50s, God began to, to, men, to pour out his spirit here in the United States after healing revivals that came after World War II. So you got the late 50s, the 60s. I came to Jesus in the mid-70s, received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It went on through the 80s, the 90s, and then it began to taper off in the 2000s in America particularly, and I believe it's because we went after we went after this uh, big mega church movement thing and, and we put a lot of the power of God aside and turned it into a mechanical structure. There's nothing wrong with large churches. If our church gets large, glory to God. If it doesn't, glory to God. Either way, all I'm gonna do is preach the word. How many hear me? But you can take a mechanical structure and make something large. That doesn't mean God's in it. God's not always in the big crowd, but he doesn't stay away from big crowds if they're into God. Yes or no? 
So you can't judge the size of the church. You got to judge the content of the ministry. But I've had a sense that God wants to pour out his spirit again in an unprecedented way before Jesus comes back. Now, I got this in my prayer life a few years ago. Can I just talk? I got all kinds of notes. I'm trying to follow him, but I just can't. But I've just had a sense that before Jesus comes back, there's going to be a twist and a turn. And, and you just don't know how many seminars I've gone to as a pastor. And here's what they tell me as a spirit-filled person. Don't you talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings. That's why I'm, not, I'm not making this up. Here's what they say. It's bedroom talk. Husbands and wives do things in bedroom you don't talk to anybody else about. And this is bedroom stuff with God. My friends, if it was bedroom stuff with God in 1976, I would not be standing here today. If they, had, if they had held back and not shared all of the fullness of God, then I promise you, I would have been in the world, away from God, and probably dead. So I'm thankful for people who just were bold enough to say, you know what, there's an extra experience with God called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And it's available if you're hungry. How many hear me? So the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this question. So I talked about it last Sunday. What would keep you from experiencing the baptism with the Holy Spirit? If you hear about it but don't have it, what would keep you from it? Is it that you don't know? Well, I want to enlighten you. Is it because you're not sure, sure that you want it? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you want more of God? If you want more of God, want more of Jesus, you want the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So again, you can be a born-again believer. You can go to heaven without the baptism with the Holy Spirit, but it's just an extra challenge. Life is an extra challenge without it. How many hear me? Let me ask you a few questions, and I've had these questions in my, in my notes for many years. What's easier for a farmer, plowing with a mule or plowing with one of these big tractors because it's got all those discs behind it that they have to, you know, set up so they can walk down, ride down the road. How many hear me? I've been to Ethiopia. I've watched people plow with a mule. That's hard work. That's tough labor. They got sometimes two of them, two oxes ganged together, and here they go, you know. So what's easier for a carpenter, cutting a board with a handsaw or using a skill saw? You fill in the blank. Which one's easier? How about a homeowner? What's easier, cut, cutting, your, cutting your grass with a, with a push mower or one of those that my grandpa used to use that I used to cut with my yard when I was a little boy, one of those you push along, or a riding mower. I got a riding lawnmower now. Oh, man, that's a whole lot easier, right? Oh, how about ladies doing the laundry? What's easier? My grandma had a scrub board. Or I've been to countries and they beat the, they beat the clothes on a rock. Yeah. And then squeeze them out. Yeah. Or, or, or is it easier to use a washing machine? Huh? Or, or, or how about washing dishes? Is it easier to wash dishes by hand or stick those dirty dishes in the dishwasher? Huh? See, that's the difference between life with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like cutting your grass with a push mower. It's like a farmer using a mule instead of a tractor. It's like a carpenter just using a hand tool instead of a skill saw run by electricity. It makes it a whole lot faster, a whole lot easier. And it's like a woman using a scrub board when the, when the, I mean, you know, when the washing machine is available. How many hear me? 
So I don't know about you, but I want the easier way. I want the better way. I want the quicker way. And God's made a way for us. It's called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. There are two metaphors real quickly here that the New Testament, that Jesus used, talking about both experiences. With the indwelling of the Spirit, Jesus used the metaphor of a well. He, found a, he came up to a woman in Samaria, a Samaritan woman. And she wanted some water from him. He was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. The first thing surprised her that they were different races and he loved her and the Jews would have nothing to do with Samaritans. If you really get saved, guess what? Uh, guess what? Guess what? Prejudice ceases. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. And if you got any other ideology, you got the devil on your back. That wasn't strong enough. How many hear me? If you know Jesus, you love everybody regardless of race, regardless of, pers- regardless of ethnicity. Yes or no? So Jesus talked to this woman, whoever drinks of this water, she said, give me some water. He said, whoever drinks of this water I can give you will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I can give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is talking there about the indwelling of the spirit that you receive when you're born again. But then in John chapter 7, there there was a Jewish feast day. Let me go ahead and say this. Uh, the uh, day of Pentecost was a feast day that, uh, in, Jew, in Judaism that was associated with a harvest, the harvest of grain. And then there was another, there's, there, there's another uh, feast associated with the harvest that Jesus talked about here in John chapter 7. On the last day, verse 37, that great day of the feast, this was the feast of tabernacles, It's also called the Feast of Ingathering. It's also called the Feast of Booths. And you know what that feast was associated with? It was associated with with harvest. It's associated with olive harvest. The harvest of the ripe olives so they can have olive oil and enjoy all of its benefits. Well, these two feasts, the Feast of Pentecost, had to do with harvest. This harvest that Jesus talks about in John 7, this feast... This feast he talks about has to do with harvest. And listen to what Jesus said on the last day. The great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So John 4 was a well, but he's talking about a river here, right? But he's, by this he spoke, verse 39, concerning the spirit that those whom believe who uh, those believing in him would receive. The Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So here he's talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. With the well, he's talking about the wells of salvation. In fact, Isaiah 12, 3, there's a song we sang in the 70s that goes right along with the scripture. Isaiah 12, 3, therefore with joy will you draw waters out of the wells of salvation. Jesus in John 4 is talking about the Holy Spirit indwelling us in the new birth, but John 7 here, he said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living waters. Talking about the Holy Spirit. And there was a, there was a, um, uh, there was a ceremony they had there that I don't have time to talk about. It's in the notes called the outpouring of waters. And when he, Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. There's a lot there that I don't have time to explain. Go to my notes. You'll get another nugget because I don't have time to go there today. Jesus is the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. How many know God's, God's gift to you as a, as a person that doesn't know him is salvation? 
And so when salvation comes, the Holy Spirit comes and enters you. But Jesus has a gift for every believer. You could say God's gift to the sinner is, is salvation, right? And the indwelling of the Spirit. But Jesus has a gift for every believer. Have you received the gift from Jesus? It's the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.11, here's John the Baptist speaking. He said, I baptize with water, but... Uh, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. Talking about the Jews, they're getting ready for Jesus to come. But someone is coming who is greater than I, so much greater than I'm worthy even to be a slave or carry a sandals. He will baptize you with a Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus is the person that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. It's a personal experience with Jesus. Question, would you want to have a personal experience with Jesus that refreshes you, invigorates you, and Jesus and John the Baptist said he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire's a purifying agent. And there are things about your life that will absolutely dramatically change with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Without it, they won't change to the degree they could. There are four distinct, um, there are four distinct references to the baptism with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Quickly, I go over that, and then I want to give you an opportunity to receive if you want to receive today. If you've been in our church any length of time, you can tell there's something in the atmosphere here. It's called the Holy Spirit. And there's something in the preaching and ministries. He's called the Holy Spirit. And it comes from the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And if you come on Wednesday nights, often we have prophecy. We have different kinds of tongues interpretation on Wednesday nights because we allow the Holy Spirit in our services and in our meetings. And it charges you up. Y'all, that went over real big. I said it charges you up. Y'all awake today? Y'all stayed too late at the fair. I know what it is. I'm joking. Four clear, distinct references to the baptism with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. The first one we mentioned last week, it was on that feast day, a feast day associated with the harvesting of grain. See, that's significant. The baptism with the Holy Spirit enables you to be a witness. You'll receive power, Acts 1.8, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses to me. And isn't it unusual isn't it strange that God sent the first opportunity to be baptized with the Holy Spirit on the Jewish feast day Pentecost that was directly associated with the gathering in of grain? Isn't that crazy? That's just like God, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, this is in Jerusalem, all believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now this is the only time in the Bible that you have a reference of it coming like this with, sound, with a sound of a wind whether it looks like it looks like fire flames of fire sat on each person. This is the only time it's referenced in Scripture that that happened. And I've often wondered, well, why did God do that? I think God did it the first time that the baptism with the Holy Spirit was available to humankind to uh, emphasize and to let you know this is here, it's available, and it's good. And so it got everybody's attention. The baptism with the Holy Spirit was sent on that day, on that Pentecost, uh, Pentecost day, day of Pentecost, and uh, uh, to the Jewish race and uh, to the believers there in the upper room. And it's been here ever since. Now, they had to wait and tarry. They had to wait in Jerusalem for 10 days from the time that Jesus ascended to heaven until uh, the, day, the, the uh, Pentecost 
day came, that feast day came, they had to wait for the Holy Spirit. So there are those that believe that you got to wait for the Holy Spirit to fall. The only people in the New Testament that had to wait for the Holy Spirit to fall were those that received on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. Everybody else received it right when they wanted to. What am I saying? The baptism with the Holy Spirit was made available on the day of Pentecost and it's been here ever since. And Jesus wants to baptize every believer with the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. It is the will of God that every believer be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yes or no? I mean, if you go follow the New Testament, then Acts chapter 8 Here's some people in Samaria, if you look at the whole, you start with chapter Acts 8 verse 1. Uh, Philip was an evangelist and he preached Jesus to people. People were, were released from demon power. People came to Jesus. People were healed. People were born again. And then look what happened. In verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem, Acts 8, 14, Uh, heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message. They sent Peter and John there. As soon as, why did he send Peter and John there? Evidently, they had a ministry of ministering the baptism with the Holy Spirit to to, to people, and, and it got out that they were available to do that. Some people have that ministry. I do. I didn't ask for it. It just happened, so I just let it happen. So again, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, that is, they were born again, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers. Everybody say new believers. Now, what does that tell you? These people were already saved. They were already born again. The Holy Spirit already indwelt them. How many see that? Right? Uh, They prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, they already received the indwelling, but they hadn't received that Acts 2-4 experience, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, there was, a, there was a guy there that had been in the occult that had a pseudo kind of salvation, wasn't really saved. And he saw that through the laying on of, John, uh, of uh, Peter and John's hands that the Holy Spirit came on people. How did, how did he know it came? Because he saw them pray in the Spirit. He, pray, he saw them speak in these other languages and he knew that they received the same power that they received on the day of Pentecost. And he, then here's, uh, here's Peter, Acts chapter 10. He was in a Gentile's house and at the time, uh, Jews didn't think God would have anything to do with Gentiles. You just nothing, you know. And then God gave, you remember the story, God gave Peter a vision and he had all kinds of unclean animals according to Jewish law that you're not supposed to eat, not supposed to eat pork and other things. And, uh, and, and, and he saw it let down on a sheet out of heaven and then a voice came to Peter in the vision and said, kill Peter, slay and eat. Don't call what I've cleansed common. And then Peter understood from that because he was in a Gentile man's house that God also accepted people that are non-Jews into the Christian faith. Aren't you glad? Yeah, 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 me too. And so Peter was preaching to these people in Cornelius' house after he saw that vision. And verse 44 says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Oh my goodness. See, they're in... uh, there in Cornelius' house. This is 10 years, scholars say, after Pentecost, these believers 
These, these, these non-Jewish people received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And notice here, nobody laid hands on them. While Peter was preaching the word, the Holy Spirit fell on them. I've been to many places in the world preaching. Uh, I've been all over India. I've been all over. I've been in a few places in Africa. We've got 12 churches there. And I've told you the stories. We'll have outdoor crusades often in Africa. And we have outdoor crusades in India. And, and many times, so many people respond, you can't get to them all. So you know what? We prayed just like Peter did here as he was preaching. Then we prayed and people got baptized with the Holy Spirit without anybody laying hands on them. It's an amazing phenomenon. Isn't that awesome? So there in Acts chapter 8, Peter and John laid hands on people. That's valid. That's scriptural. There in Acts chapter 2, they were praying and the Holy Spirit fell. Here in Acts uh, chapter 10, 10 years after Pentecost, uh, they were just listening to Peter and suddenly the Holy Spirit fell on them. They got born again, Spirit filled all at the same time. Acts 19, here's 20 years after Pentecost. This is in Ephesus. It's uh, modern day Turkey. And it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. On down, I think you'll find there were 12 men there. And it says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. They were still following John the Baptist. Now, you know, in the context of the world, it's not that far from Turkey all the way down to Jerusalem, from Ephesus. But, you know, obviously, uh, the Pony Express traveled slow, and they didn't get the news, and they didn't have the Internet, and et cetera, et cetera. And so then he said, then what baptism did you experience, he asked. They replied, the baptism of John. And then Peter, I mean, Paul just shared the gospel with him. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Obviously, there was a river or a body of water close by. Uh, Paul said Jesus has already come. John was his forerunner. You need to be born again. They got born again. He took them to water. They got baptized in water. And then verse 6. Then, then after they were born again, then after he, he baptized them with water. And let me say, you don't have to receive the baptism in the water first to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. How many hear me? If that were so, they couldn't have received in Acts chapter 10. Because while these non-Jewish people were listening, they got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost at the same time. Is that good? Then Paul, uh, when Paul laid his hands on them, there's laying on the hands again, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spake in other tongues and prophesied. So one of the phenomenon, and I'll go into detail on this later because I don't have time in one Sunday's meeting uh, because people don't understand what is this speaking in other languages. It's the strangest thing. Well, real quickly, I mentioned this last Sunday. It's your human spirit. You are spirit, soul, and body. And when you're born again, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't come and dwell in your toe. He doesn't come and dwell in your little finger. He doesn't come and dwell, you know, uh, in your elbow. He comes and dwells in your spirit. And heart is a reference. Cardia uh, is the Greek word, uh, is a reference to the human spirit. The center of your person is your spiritual nature. So the center of a subject is the heart of the subject. So many times the Bible will use heart as a reference to the spirit of man. So we tell our children, well, Jesus lives in, my heart, in our hearts. We're saying the Holy Spirit lives in our spirit. You got it? 
So when you receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and he encapsulates you. I mean, you know, I mentioned last Sunday, you receive the uh, indwelling of the Spirit at the new birth. You've got water in you the way this, uh, this bottle of water has water in it. But when you receive the immersion into, the baptizo is the Greek word. It's a transliterated word in English. When you receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, not only is the Holy Spirit in you, but he encapsulates your life. And it's uh, the first phenomenon for me was very difficult for me not to think about spiritual things. In fact, the next day after I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it would have been September 13th, 1976. I mentioned it last week was uh, I I went to work. I was going to college and I was also working a full-time job. And I went to work early that morning and and the uh, uncanny thing began to happen. I had scripture come up to me all day long and then Baptist hymns that I had sung all my life came to my mind. And I'm thinking, why am I thinking this? And, and, and then I just couldn't get my mind off of spiritual things. And I remember the first time somebody came in the grocery store where I was working, come down the aisle I was working. For the first time, I always dress people down. Well, you ugly. Well, you pretty. Well, you got a wart on your nose. Well, one of your ears is disformed, de- deformed. I was just looking for something negative because I felt negative and bad about me. And that's what you do. How many hear me? But the, for the first time in my life, somebody came around the corner and I'm not kidding. It shocked me. I looked at them, and here's what I heard. There's a person God loves. I said, where? Look at there. It didn't matter what they looked like. It didn't matter what color they were. It didn't matter anything about their stature. It just mattered that they were alive. They had a beating heart. God loves humanity. And you know why? Why did that happen to me? The Holy Spirit in fullness was looking through my eyes. He was thinking through my mind, and he was showing me what he thought about people. And I thought, well, that's a lot better than what I think. How many hear me? It's a wonderful experience to receive the power of God, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. He encapsulates your life. So that first day, I couldn't keep thinking, but from thinking about spiritual things. I mean, every, I related my work to the Lord. In fact, I found a scripture on my break. Uh, whatever you do, do it heartily. That means with all your heart and soul, as to the Lord and not to men. I'm not just working for my boss. We Paul called my boss bulldog because he kind of looked like a bulldog. He was a big guy, big face. I mean, just look, you know. That's what they called him. I'm not just working for Bulldog. I'm working for Jesus. And people didn't like Bulldog. They'd go in the back room, talk about Bulldog. And I sensed, don't you ever say another word about him. You're not working for him. You're working for Jesus. Do what you do as to the Lord. You know, believers ought to be the best workers. And if you're not the best worker, you ain't doing it right. And you're not following the Holy Ghost because he'll have you give your best and not cheat. You know, you don't just work when the boss is there. You work when he's not there and you come in early and stay late if you need to. That went over big. Baptism with the Holy Spirit, y'all, it encapsulates your life. I have not been able. I haven't tried. It's not that I haven't tried. I haven't tried. But I've not been able to, since then, to live life outside of that bubble of Holy Ghost. It's just amazing. He cleaned everything about me up. In fact, I didn't date for two years after I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost because I didn't want to lust after women. I didn't want my relationship with, with whoever God gave me in marriage to be based on lust. So I just say, God, clean me up. And you know what? God cleaned me up. And he cleaned so many things in my life. He cleaned my potty mouth up. 
my potty heart up. <laughs> it gave me a heart that loves people. I mean, does it make you perfect? No, 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 it doesn't. But you know what? It works in you, and gradually, how many know you change? Let me say this. You don't have to be a perfect person to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. What do you need to be? Number one, the only prerequisite in Scripture is that you be born again. If you're a child of God, if your sins are forgiven and cleansed, you're a candidate to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. How many hear me? And if you're born again, that's all you need. Do you have to have everything right? All your ducks have to be in a row? I don't know what, you know, it's just a, you know, it's just a metaphor for having things right in your life. But nonetheless, no, you don't have to be a perfect person. You don't have to ever have everything just right. Some people teach it as though you got to be saved. One denomination says saved, sanctified. That means all the sins out of your life. Listen, when I came to Jesus, I was full of mess. He cleansed my sins. And then the word along with the Holy Spirit begin to clean me up. And you'll find out how to do that in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be a perfect person to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You just have to be hungry for more of God. Question, are you hungry for more of Jesus? Question, uh, have you received the Holy Spirit uh, when you believed? Just like Paul asked those people in Ephesus, are you baptized with the Holy Spirit and do you pray in the Spirit? Let me talk about praying in the Spirit again. It's your human spirit talking to God without your mind being involved. It's direct spirit-to-spirit communion with God. It bypasses the human mind and enables you to pray about things that you don't know about that are happening or that may happen. It enables you to pray for yourself and pray for others in a perfect way. Romans 8, 26 and 27, the apostle Paul said it's the perfect way to pray. It's a perfect prayer. You're praying the will of God. What better way to pray than to pray the perfect will of God? Baptism with the Holy Spirit and the ensuing ability to pray in the Spirit enables you to pray the perfect will of God. I spent over 45 years now praying in the Spirit every day. That means I'm praying the perfect will of God. And in my admonishment, we're going into an era of time when things are changing rapidly. What better time to exercise this wonderful gift the Holy Spirit gives with the baptism with the Holy Spirit than right now? Because when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying about things you don't know about. You're often you're praying, you're carving a path for your life into your future and you don't even know it. You come back next Sunday, I got tales to tell. I got stories to tell. I could stay here all day long and talk to you about things that God did both spiritually and naturally as results of me being baptized with the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit. I would not be where I am today. We wouldn't be in this building doing what we're doing right now without me praying in the Spirit, I can tell you that. I can tell you that for sure. So this experience is available to you. All you need to do is be born again and just want more of God. Do you want more of God? Now, when you ask the Lord for the baptism with the Holy Spirit, all you got to do is ask for it. Now, look at this. Luke eleven eleven. if a son shall ask bread for any father among you, will he give him a stone? Now, Jesus is uh, asking his disciples a question. You got a small child? He says, I hunger, daddy, give me a piece of bread. Or get a rock and eat it. You wouldn't do that. Then he says, if we ask for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? I'm, I need some lunch. Uh, give, me a, give me some of that fish you caught. Uh, oh, no, here's a scorpion. Go get that. No, that's dumb. He wouldn't do that. Or if he asked for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? I got that one mixed up. If you then being evil, supposed to be a serpent for the fish, right? 
If you then being evil know how to give good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to who? To those who ask him. So, so what do you need to do to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit? Ask him. Just ask him. So just ask. I've done that. I, I quit count thousands of times with people over the 40 years I've been in ministry. In fact, uh, tomorrow, 40 years ago, I started ministry. 40 years ago tomorrow. 1980, October 25th, 1981. Some of you ain't 40 years old yet. Isn't that something? But I pray for a lot of people to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I feel the Lord leading me today. If you want this experience, you can have it. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask. And if you ask, you don't have to be concerned about getting a counterfeit. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, guess what? You're going to get the Holy Spirit. And when you get the baptism with the Holy Spirit, it'll make Jesus more real to you. Spiritual things will become much more distinct. You know, again, it's like you're in a cocoon of Holy Ghost. It's almost indescribable. It's just amazing how life changes. And I've had many people here in this ministry receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they tell me over and over again, my life was completely transformed. I was a believer before this experience, but after this, just the whole concept of life changed. Instead of me just trying to apply Jesus to every area of my life, suddenly it just comes natural. You hear what I'm saying? It changes how you live your life.